Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Today we're uh, back in the book of Ephesians. If you'll turn with me once again to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. And last week when we were here, we looked at uh, the lowly walk and we talked about the fact that there and and it's really important for us to understand that that we must un, uh, fully comprehend and and grasp all that it entails in how to, how we apply what God has uh, has in store for us and how we should walk and how we should live and how we uh, seek to attain uh, the proper Christian lifestyle. Proper Christian walk. Now, last week we talked about uh, the fact that uh, there are certain characteristics that are built on uh, this lowly walk, this walk of humility before God, and and uh, we read in in Ephesians chapter four says, therefore. Uh, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein ye are called. So uh, we're called to work, walk worthy of of our life that God has set out before us. And this is how we walk worthy before the Lord. It says, with all lowliness and meekness and long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of our call, of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So we're called to walk a worthy walk uh, that we might delight God in, in our calling and that we might live according to how God desires for us to live and to walk. Remember, Ephesians, again, is separated into two, par- uh, two portions. The first portion that we've already been through in chapters 1 through 3 is all about what God's plan is for us. What is God's plan for humanity? God brought us to salvation, brings us to uh, the point of being a Christian. And, and uh, we saw that in the three parts of uh, uh, what God did before all of time existed, before time began. He predestined us to, to be a part of the family of God, to have our salvation uh, in Jesus Christ. And now that means that... Uh, that yes, God even planned for you to have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior before He ever said, before He even said, let there be light, before He created the first star that shines into the heavens, before He created this earth, and before He created mankind, He God chose in His uh, action of creating and beginning creation because He knows all things and because God uh, exists above time and outside of time, God knew that as soon as He created uh, mankind and, and gave man the option, the opportunity to choose and to select how He would live, that given that opportunity that mankind would sin. And so God destined, God desired 
in spite of knowing all of that, that you would have an opportunity for uh, Jesus Christ to live and to be your Savior and your Lord. He chose and knew that He would send uh, Jesus Christ, His Son, to die on a cross for your sins and for my sins uh, before ever uh, there was a creation, before there was ever anything, because He desired for you to have that freedom, that free will, to choose whether or not you would accept Him as Lord and Savior. Choose whether or not you would love Him. Choose whether or not you would accept His love And boy, that tells me that is a tremendous sign of God's love that knowing all of that, we in our frailty, we in our our minuscule mind compared to God say, well, why would uh, God ever desire to create mankind if He knows that He's going to just go ahead and sin? Or why did God put that uh, tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the midst of the garden if He knew that Adam and Eve would sin and that they would turn away from Him? He did that so that you would have the opportunity to understand and know true love, His love, and so that you might express that love back to Him. And so we understand and know that uh, from the very beginning of time, before time ever existed, God predestined us to have that, uh, that understanding of His love and to express His love. Secondly, we know that in uh, the present God's plan was is that He would be uh, redeeming us, that He would redeem us towards uh, that right relationship with Him, that uh, we're not expected to be perfect in ourself, perfect in our uh, in our life uh, before we come to know Christ, but as we, when we uh, accept Jesus Christ into our heart and life, in the present God is redeeming us, changing us, transforming us, and making us into the creation that God desires for us to be, making us into the people that He wants us to be. Uh, we're not, we don't come to Him uh, perfect and, and having everything in order, having our lives straightened out. No, the whole reason that we have uh, an opportunity for salvation and the whole reason God provides salvation for us is so that we might uh, be able to have our lives changed and transformed and that God might redeem us and make us into the creation He desires for us to be. Then thirdly, in the future, God desires to make us uh, a part of the inheritance of Jesus Christ that we might uh, be able to gain that inheritance uh, with Christ, that we are co-heirs with Jesus, that we are a part of the family of God. We're not just simply redeemed we're not simply just saved. We're not just freed slaves that, that are uh, freed of our sin and set loose. But no, God uh, desires to not just make us a part of His plan to share the gospel with the rest of the world, but God desires to make us a part of the family and desires to uh, uh, imagine... You're, uh, uh, to put it in human terms, which is, is very... Uh, uh, Minuscule and compared to what God has done for us, but com- uh, but consider the fact that you are a young man that go uh, that is drafted into the military and you're sent off to war and you go and you're fighting a battle against an enemy that has invaded your country or invaded your land or done some kind of atrocity and you go and you're fighting against that enemy and and while you're in the midst of fighting the enemy you find an enemy soldier that is sworn uh, and uh, 
is uh, focused on ending your life and you not only find that individual and uh, you find that he is uh, trying to, to take your life, but you, instead of killing that other soldier, you instead befriend him and you instead uh, call him to be uh, in a, a good relationship with you and, you and you find not only that you can forgive him for what he has done, forgive him for trying to kill you, but you also make him... Uh, 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 not a party to what his country is doing, not a party to what they're doing in the war, and then you befriend him and you make him a part of the family. Now that's a very small and convoluted type of uh, uh, example, but it, it's similar to what we did. We were at enemies with God. We were against God. We were doing everything we could to, to thwart the power and the majesty and the might of God, and we were doing everything that we could to uh, to destroy what God stood for and what God desires for us and in the midst of all of that God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins that we might have his love That he, and in the midst of all of our hatred towards him he loved us in spite of that and he not only sent Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and to forgive us and get us right with him in terms of paying the penalty of our sin but He allowed us to not only uh, accept that love and accept that forgiveness, but then to be part of the, made a part of the family of God, to be grafted in, uh, as the Bible says, to be made a part of the family of God, to be adopted into the family of Jesus Christ. And so that's what God's plan is for us in the future. Uh, so we come now to the practical part of, of how do we do that? How do we live as a Christian? How do we live as a follower of Christ. Now, you might want to step into this uh, aspect of, of, okay, now tell me what i got to do. Let me go out and do all the things I'm supposed to do. Well, if we did that, if we just simply said, okay, here's the things you got to do, A, B, C, and D, then all that that would be would be a uh, list of things that we would do to try and work out our faith, work out our uh, salvation. And that's not what God desires for us. God's desire for us is to, uh, to implement a change in character, a change in attitude, a change of life and personality. Remember, we're to be redeemed by the blood of Christ. And God is working in us and changing our attitude, changing our life to be the, uh, the child of God that He desires for us to be. And so we have to change our attitude before we can go out and do the things that God desires for us. And consequently, if we go out and say we uh, donate a lot of money to a charitable cause or we go and donate time and effort to go and to help people in certain need, if we go out and we just simply go around and tell people people about Jesus. All we're doing is uh, we're doing those and if we just simply did those things because that was what is expected of us and that is what uh, got us salvation, then we'd be trying to work our way into heaven. But instead, God wants us to change our hearts, change our attitude, change the way in which we live. And in, in, in doing that, we realize that our lives are changed and we desire to do the things that are coming, the things, the steps that we're to do become easier and they become a result of our love for Christ, our love for God rather than a desire to simply work our way into heaven.
And so that's what we've been talking about. Uh, Paul says, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, there's uh, five uh, certain things that we have to have. And we already talked about lowliness, and that's humility. And, and of course, the, the opposite of, of lowliness or humility is pride. And we, we talked about uh, getting rid of pride in our life. We talked about uh, what it means to live and to walk in a humble manner and to have a, a, a life that is built by humility. And w- remember, uh, we talked about how uh, if we thought that we had achieved humility, we had uh, instantly lost it because we can't simply say, oh, I'm so humble. Because uh, right at that moment, we're no longer humble, are we? So we have to work to prevent ourselves from having pride because pride is the opposite of humility. And as we begin to overcome our pride in our life and begin to live a humble life, we walk into the next step, which is meekness. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to understand what meekness is and by living the humble uh, a life of humility before God and being humble before Him. Remember, humility is all about understanding our place before God. God is, uh, is the creator of all that is and God is, is righteous and, and holy. And before Him, we can be nothing but humble because of our sin, because of our place, because of who we are, because of the things that we have done and because of, of all of that. And, but because of His precious love and because of the gift of Jesus Christ, of the covering of the, of the blood of Jesus Christ upon our life, we're given the freedom, the opportunity to come before the Lord and to beseech Him for His love and to allow Him to shower upon us the same kind of love that He showers upon His Son, Jesus Christ. And so we understand and know humility when we stand before the, uh, the, the holy and righteous God. And there will come a day uh, at the end of time where every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We do that because we finally come face to face with our Creator. And so in, a, in our life we need to learn to grow in humility before Him. Understanding who He is. Understanding who we are. And understanding what He has done for us. And in doing so, we begin to understand uh, uh, the true nature of meekness. Now, the world has a definition of meekness, and, and so many people think of humility and meekness as the same thing. It's not. The world says meekness is, is uh, the lack of courage or the lack of spirit, a deficiency in courage. And, uh, but, but meekness in, in, for the world is based on machismo. It's based on the ability to stand up for oneself. And, but when we do that, what are we doing? We're not only taking pride in ourselves if we stand up for ourselves, but we're, we're having a sense of, of, uh, of self-worth that we shouldn't have. We're, we're uh, elevating ourselves before others. If we have, uh, we're having pride in ourselves, and we stand and, and and we stand up to others. Then what we're doing is we're saying, "I'm better than you are. I deserve more than you." 
And so that's the world's definition of meekness. Now, meekness is taken for, from a word in, uh, in the uh, Hebrew as uh, protes. It is the wor- root word is pros, and it's something that is mild and gentle. It's the opposite of, of having a vengeful attitude. This word that, that is used here in the Greek as, as meekness is a word that is many times in the Greek used uh, as something that soothes, something that eases the uh, tension, something that is uh, uh, able to uh, bring about healing. It is mild and gentle. It's it's opposite of being vengeful or one who seeks revenge. It's related to one who seeks uh, um, uh, does not seek vindication for oneself, but rather uh, one that desires to uh, to ease tensions. It's someone that does not harbor bitterness or resentment or reacts against others. It is a and listen, here's the real application is how okay, how does that relate to myself and God? How do I how am I meek before God? Well, meekness is a willing submission to God. Okay? Humility is understanding and knowing your place before the Creator God who is holy, who is righteous, who is, uh, who is so righteous that we shouldn't even be able to bear His countenance because of our sin. And meekness is a willing submission to God because of our understanding of who we are. It's a submission to God and to others without rebellion or without vengeance. Now, you, you know, you can have a kid that uh, you're, you know, it's always easy to illustrate these things with illustration with children. You can have a child that you say, uh, son, I want you to go out and I want you to take out the trash. I don't want to take out the trash. Uh, well, son, you really need to take out the trash. That's one of your chores, and, and we do every, uh, all kinds of other stuff for you. You need you need to do your part by taking out the trash. Daddy, I don't want to take out the trash. And what do they do? They stomp their feet. They, they what do they do? They they say, Daddy, don't make me do that. I don't want to do it. And then eventually they do it. Right? That's not willful submission, is it? That's submission because he knows that if he doesn't, there's coming a switch or there's coming a, a strap to his hiney, right? That's not willful submission. Willful submission to, you, to God or to someone else is understanding and knowing that God has done so much for you that you're willing to submit to Him, willing to give everything that you have for Him, willing to do whatever you can for the cause of God. Meekness is a desire to submit to God not because of the fact that He is God or not because of the fact that He has got you over the barrel or has something against you or is going to punish you because you don't submit to Him, but rather a willingness to submit, a willingness to do what God desires for you. (coughs) Excuse me. A willingness to do what God has a desire for you to do in your life because of your love for Him, because of your desire to serve God. Because of what God has has bequeathed to you in His love, you no longer are doing things out of rebellion or 
out of vengeance or retaliation or self-assertion that is characterized in the natural man, but rather your desire is, is to serve God, to live for Him, to do as He desires for you to do. Does that mean you're a coward though? The world says meekness is you're cowardly. You don't want to stand up to anyone that you just uh, let anybody walk all over you and you're a doormat to everybody and that, that everything that you do is, uh, is cowering to others' assertion or their, their authority and power. But that's not what this means. In the Greek context, now, that, and I go to the understanding of what it means in the Greek context because... We have to understand this is a word that's written originally in Greek. So we have to understand how it was used in the Greek culture to understand why God inspired Paul Paul to write this word. In the Greek context, it is like like I said before, a soothing medicine, like a tranquilizer, something that takes something at someone and calms them. It brings a calming spirit. Also, it, it's also used uh, to characterize a gentle breeze. Uh, yesterday, I was out in the yard working, and I was uh, getting my yard uh, in order, trying to straighten it up and everything. Boy, it was hot yesterday, wasn't it? It was kind of warm. But I, uh, after a while, I got so tired I had to quit for a minute and take a little break. I sat down on one of the hills in my front yard, and a gentle breeze came blowing across. And boy, that, that did everything in the world to help me out. made me feel good. I was able to rest up for a few minutes and I was able to get back to work. Meekness in the original context as a Greek word uh, refers to uh, the soothingness of like a gentle breeze, a cool breeze that uh, wafts through a valley. Now, boy, there's nothing like a cool breeze on a hot day, right? It makes you feel good. And that's what this word is all about. It's something that's pleasant, something that is tender-hearted in terms of a person. It, uh, it, we're friendly towards people regardless of the fact that, that we may know them or that they have done anything for us or to us or uh, 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 about us. Uh, just simply being friendly to others because of your personality, because of who you are. In, in fact, it, it has a lot to do... Uh, this attitude is not something that, that we uh, It's something that becomes a part of who we are. It's being pleasant, a mild quietness. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 1 says that Paul spoke of Christ in that way. Paul said that Christ was tender-hearted, compassionate towards others. Matthew chapter 11 verse 29 says that Jesus says of himself that I am meek and lowly in heart. Now, was Jesus milk toast? Was Jesus a doormat? Was Jesus someone that that uh, was simply taking uh people took advantage of him because he was uh, puny, wimpy, or anything like that? Well, no, that's not what happened to Jesus. Jesus came into the temple when He saw all the things that were going on in the temple. Remember when He came into Jerusalem? After, uh, uh, picture of meekness. 
He doesn't come marching in with the big crowd of people asserting His right to be King of kings and Lord of lords. What does He do? He gets on the foal of a, cow, of a colt, a donkey, and He, he gets on that uh, small colt and He rides in in all meekness and lowliness. And all the, all the people are shouting His praises and everybody is, is ready to just crown Him King. But what does He do? He quietly enters into Jerusalem. While they're singing Hosanna, where they're ready to, to lead, uh, follow His lead, He quietly comes in on the, on the foal of a, of a donkey, on that little colt. Once He gets there, what does He do? He goes to the temple. And after being uh, the picture of meekness, He sees what the money changers are doing. He sees all the people making His house a place of business and a place in which they are defiling the name of God. And He gets a righteous anger about Himself. And He takes some cords and He wraps them together and He makes a whip and He starts driving out the money changers because He is angry and does not sin. He, does, he takes offense at what people are doing to God's house. And offense to what people are doing. See, this is, again, a picture of meekness. Because we, uh, meekness does not equal weakness. Meekness does not equal uh, uh, being able to be thrown down and, and overtaken. But rather, he showed all power. Uh, was he being uh, weak? when he made that cord and drove out the money changers? No, he was strong. He was strong. He was, he was angry as well, but it didn't include a, a sin in his anger. He wasn't, he wasn't showing vengefulness and retribution. He was being righteous in his anger, driving out those who were dishonoring God. And so we see Jesus says, I am meek and lowly in heart. He had a godly character about Him. Uh, Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 3 says that we ought to seek after meekness in our life. It is a virtue that's, that's listed as part of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5.23. So we have uh, all of these things that, that point to this. And, and 1 Timothy Excuse me, it says, But thou, a man of God, follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. So it's a, an attribute of a child of God, a man of God, someone who is a follower of God. So is he a coward? No. He, said, he goes on further later in the chapter and says, Fight the good fight of faith. Be willing to... In essence, he's saying, Be willing to fight when the cause is right, like Jesus Christ did in the temple. Be willing to take up uh, your arms and, and be ready to fight for a good cause. In James chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Who is a wise man? Let him show it out of a good life. His word with meekness. Meekness is basically, and I mentioned this before already, and, and, and basically meekness is power under control. Power under control. Think of a lion. A lion's got a tremendous amount of power. But 
the lion can choose whether to get up and to pounce on the first uh, on prey as it comes by, or it can just sit there and let a deer walk across in front of his path without even choosing to get up and to destroy it. A lion has all this power and it's symbolized in its great roar. But even then, a lion can choose when to roar and when not to. God is calling us to show meekness, not weakness. Humility is self-emptying and divesting yourself of, uh, 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 of yourself, divesting myself of myself. Humility is emptying myself and, uh, and not being interested in my own fame or success or cause or gain or, uh, and, and uh, to be broken before God. It is a taming of the lion, uh, not a destruction of the lion, but a taming of the lion. And meekness is the taming of that lion. In fact, here's some examples of meekness, okay? Now, remember the image of the lion. Now, think about a, uh, a horse. The Greeks used this word in terms of, of talking about uh, the horse. And while the horse is wild and as a colt, is running around with all this untapped power and might. A uh, colt uh, runs all over the place and, and just does everything and just goes everywhere and all over the place. But meanness comes in when the colt is taken and tamed and bridled and saddled. Power's still there, but it's under control. It's no longer wild and abandoned and just going all over the place. Think about a hurricane or a tornado. There's great force and power of the wind. That wind can be destructive, but when it's under control and it's a gentle breeze, that wind can power wind turbines and, and windmills that run uh, irrigation systems and help water crops and fields to be used to feed a whole community. Wind unfettered is, is destructive, destroys things. Wind under control is useful, can be used and harnessed. Without control, we fall into every temptation, every pit, every failure. Without Without meekness in our life, we're, uh, we're thrown into every weakness. We have no self-control. Our anger overwhelms us. Our power is out of control. We're not meek. Proverbs 16.32 says, He who rules his spirit is better than he that conquers a city. But it says one who is without meekness is like a city without a wall. Meekness is power under control. The ability to, to control that power within our life. And so we need to understand and know the control of our, our life. Power out of control is chaos and sinfulness, but meek people control their energy, control their strength, control the lion. 
Meekness is, is anger under the control of not myself, but the control of my anger by God. Meekness is a willingness to submit my control to God who is in control of my life. God has control. Submitting to God so only I only get angry at those things which offend God. Angry at those things when God is dishonored. When I am meek, I allow people to to denigrate me, to humiliate me, to do all sorts of things without any desire of retribution or vengeance. But when God is dishonored, I stand firm. I stand in the gap. I stand on the wall. I defend God's honor. defend God's uh, uh, Word. Defend God at the right time for the right duration. I already said uh, one good example is the fact that that Jesus Christ when he came into Jerusalem he he drove out the money changers but what happened later when he was taken by the soldiers in the garden did he stand up to the soldiers in fact one of his one of his disciples took out a sword and sliced off the ear of one of the soldiers and Jesus says put away your sword as found in Luke. He said, put it away. And he, he got the ear and healed the ear of the soldier. He willingly allowed himself to be taken. Did, God, uh, did Jesus lose any of that power he demonstrated in the temple? No. Was he any less God at that point? He demonstrated the fact that he had power to heal the, the ear of the soldier. He had power to call down angels from heaven to destroy everyone who was opposing Him, those who were mocking Him, who blindfolded Him and slapped Him and said, prophesy who it was. Did He condemn that person? Did, did He curse Him that was pulling out His beard that spat in His face? He, remember, uh, before all of that, as He was going around Bethany, he saw the fig tree that didn't have any figs on it. Remember, it was just full of, of leaves and everything. And he cursed the fig tree for not producing figs. And later, the disciples came back to that fig tree and it was all withered up and, and dead. He cursed the fig tree for not doing as he was to do. But he didn't curse... He could have said curses against all those soldiers and made them drop dead immediately. He could have been vengeful towards those who were uh, whipping him and scourging him and causing him all sorts of, of pain and suffering, but he, in humility and meekness, endured all that with all that power so that he might take and bear our sins. He bore our sins in that meekness. So, how do we know that we are meek? How do we attain meekness? How do we 
uh, allow. Uh, first, we have to we attain meekness, and we we seek to be meek by allowing control of our life be in the hands of God, and not taking uh, vengeance, and not allowing our anger to be taken away from us, and not allowing our anger to to run away from us. So, how do we know that we're meek? We ask ourselves, do we experience uh, self-control? Are we in control of ourselves? Do we fly off the handle when somebody angers us? Do we easily do we have a short fuse? Remember, we talked about long suffering that we'll talk about later, and that that comes after meekness. And each of these attributes that we're looking at come at we can't have meekness without humility. We can't have long suffering without meekness. But if we have a short fuse, if we're constantly angry at people when they do the slightest little thing, then we're not in control of ourselves. Our anger is in control of us. Are we only angry instead when God is dishonored? Now, that's a righteous anger. When God is dishonored, and I'm not talking about being a zealot like uh, some of these people who go and, and, and commit mass murder because somebody draws some kind of cartoon or something. I'm talking about standing up and being in righteous anger and standing up for principles and standing up for God and, and proclaiming uh, God in the midst of those who would decry Him and, and say that God is, is dead. When God is dishonored, do we then get angry? Do you respond to the Word of God humbly no matter what it says? We have to respond to God's Word and allow God's Word to mold us and to shape us and to make us into the person that we need to be in in meekness allows God's Word to speak to our hearts. Do we desire to make peace with others? It's a sign of meekness. When others do wrong towards us, do we hold it over their head and dangle it in front of them every time that they do anything or whenever we want something done, do we use it as a a crutch to, to manipulate other people or do we simply make peace with them? Desire to have peace in our life and not taking revenge or vengeance for what other people do. Do you uh, receive criticism without retaliation, whether right or wrong? A meek individual will allow people to criticize them even when they are misunderstood and misinformed and and don't understand what we are uh, doing or how our life is. A meek person allows them to be wrong and uh, accept criticism without getting angry or blowing up at them or defending ourselves, but rather allows that criticism in our life. Another question to think about is do you have the right attitude towards those who are lost? Do you have the right attitude towards those who are without Christ? Do you stand over them as if you are in your righteousness high and lifted up and lofty and, and so much better than them or do you realize that you too were lost in your sin? 
that person just needs to know Christ. Do you have a love and compassion for them? Don't lord over them the fact that you've already been saved. Don't hold yourself in higher esteem because you happen to be a Christian and they're not. Look at yourself better than than you really are. Now, there's some Christians that don't that they they say they want to reach out to the lost, but oh, don't come sit beside me on the pew on Sunday morning. Oh, don't 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 come and and want to hang out at, at our church with your long hair and your baggy pants and clothes and and disheveled look and all that kind of thing. We just forget sometimes that we too, if if we were if we didn't look exactly like that, we were that way in our heart before we come to Christ. We have to understand that we're still not cleansed by the blood. Before they, are, they have Christ in their life, they're still lost. We can't expect them to act saved until they are saved. We can't expect them to act a certain way until Christ has had a chance to change them and redeem them. The meek person has compassion for them and loves them, desires to see their life given over to to God. Meekness. Allowing myself to be controlled by God. Not taking umbrage for myself. Rather, allowing God to be supreme in my life. And that's that's the call that we have in living the kind of life that God desires for us to live. When we have humility, we're able to walk in the lowly walk, the humble walk before God, have meekness. And with that comes long-suffering. And with that, long-suffering comes forbearance of love for one another and a desire to then bring peace, unity within the body. We can't reach unity and peace within the body of Christ until we have humility and meekness and long-suffering and love. And then we can have unity. And then we can work on all the other things. But this is a process. Do you have meekness in your life? Does God have control? Or did you simply just allow... uh, You know... I always thought of it in this terms. Did you just simply want Jesus to take away the penalty of your sin? Or did you ask Jesus in your life to be the Lord of your life? When He becomes the Lord of your life, when you accepted His love gift, then you'll begin to understand and know what meekness is. Because He can't be Lord until He has control. He can't be Lord of your life unless He is in control. And that's what meekness is. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we praise You and thank You for Your great love. And we thank You for the fact that You have allowed us to understand and know Your desire, Your will for our life. Lord, we pray that You would help us in our daily walk in all that we do. We might learn to be humble before You because of all of what we have done against You and because of our sin. 
because of the fact that You've redeemed us and forgiven us. And then, Lord, help us to walk in meekness before You, to allow You to have control of our life, that we might live it for You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.